Why would an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good God allow there to be pain and suffering? Today's psalm tells us that our God is all-knowing when it says, To his wisdom there is no limit. Today's psalm also tells us that our God is all-powerful when it says, Great is our Lord, mighty in power. And our psalm today also tells us that our God is all good when it says, Praise the Lord, for he is good. Well, if an all-knowing God exists, surely God knows about our pain and suffering. And if God knows about our pain and suffering, he's all-powerful, certainly God can do something about this pain. And if God can do something about this pain, and God is all good, surely God can remove all the pain and suffering from our lives. Since there is still pain and suffering in our lives, it may leave us wondering if an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good God even exists. Not only does an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good God exist, but in We hear in today's Gospel reading that this God, who we call Jesus, came and removed the pain and suffering from Simon Peter's mother-in-law and for all the others that he healed that day. But what about the rest of us who are experiencing pain and suffering? What about us? In today's first reading, we hear Job give voice to our lament when he says, Is not man's life on earth but a drudgery? Job continues saying that he has no rest at night, that he will never experience happiness again, and that he has no hope. What we see with Job is that pain and suffering can either be the biggest obstacle to faith, or Pain and suffering can be the biggest invitation to having an even greater faith. Maybe what Jesus wants to heal most in our lives is the part of our lives that is most in need of healing. And to experience this kind of healing, we must be be on with our prayer, simply asking for Jesus to remove pain and suffering from our lives and have that be the sole focus of our relationship with God. We must move beyond that. For those of us like Job who are still experiencing pain and suffering, and who may be feeling abandoned, punished, or forgotten about completely by God, maybe the part of our lives that God most wants to heal is the identity crisis we are experiencing. Jesus knows our hearts, and he knows when we've given in to the temptation of viewing ourselves as someone who has been abandoned by God. Someone who God does not listen to, and someone who is being punished by God for something we did. When this is the way we think, it is our image of God and of ourselves that is most in need of healing. I once heard a Franciscan priest tell this story. He said, I was at home one evening when I heard my doorbell ring. I went to the door and I opened it up, and there was a lady who was maybe about 35 years old. 
And she said, a friend of mine told me about you and gave me your name. And well, I was wondering, and she started to cry. She said, my dad is laying at home, dying of cancer, and I don't think he has much longer to live. Would you come and pray with him? I said, yes, of course, I'll be there in 10 minutes. So I arrive at the home, walk to the back, in the, be to the bedroom in the back, and I see her father with two pillows propped up behind him laying in bed and with an empty chair sitting next to him. And I said to him, hello, I see that you're expecting me. He looked over at the empty chair and said, oh, the chair. No, come on in, close the door. I was like, what am I getting myself into here? He says, I've never told anybody this before, not even my daughter. But for most of my life, I never knew how to pray. I go to church on Sunday and I hear the pastor talk about the importance of prayer, but it always went right over my head. So one Sunday after Mass, I finally got up the courage to go up to the pastor and say to him, Father, when you preach on prayer, I get zero, zilch out of it. The pastor reaches in his desk, pulls out a book, hands it to me and says, here, read this. It's from Hans Urs von Balthasar, Swiss theologian, the, one of the best books on prayer of the 20th century. So I take the book home, I read the first three pages, and had to open up the dictionary 11 times to look up words, and finally just gave up on it. Next Sunday after Mass, I handed the pastor back the book and said, thank you very much, and under my breath, for nothing. At that moment, I gave up any attempt at praying. Until one day about four years ago, I was talking with my best friend, who I don't think of as being very spiritual at all. But he said to me out of the blue, out of nowhere, he said to me, you know how to pray? What you do is pretty simple. You just pull up a chair next to you, an empty chair next to you, and in faith, you see Jesus sitting in that chair. And you just have a conversation with him and listen to him like you would with your best friend. So ever since that day, for the last four years, I've been spending two hours a day having that conversation with Jesus in this chair next to me. He said, I love it. But I have to be very careful because I don't want my daughter to see me talking to what looks like an empty chair and think I'm crazy and send me off to the funny farm. Is this prayer? And I said, you know, I think that is so simple, so unsophisticated, so honest, so real, that it delights the heart of Jesus. And I anointed him, prayed with him, and then returned to my home. Two days later, the daughter returns. She tells me that her dad passed away earlier that afternoon. And I said to her, did he seem to die in peace? She said, yes. It was about two o'clock and I was getting ready to leave to go to the grocery store. And he called me over to his bedside and he kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the grocery store a little after three, he had died. And, well, it's really 
odd. It's really strange. I can't figure it out. But the moment before he passed away, he leaned over and laid his head on an empty chair next to his bed. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this unconditional friend of ours who holds us in his hands when we need it most? Is this how you relate to Jesus? Jesus knows our pain and suffering from having experienced it firsthand. And this pain and suffering that we experience is meant to be an invitation to grow in closer to Jesus and to grow a greater trust in God's will. Jesus experienced great pain and suffering in this life, and yet we know he did nothing wrong. Then why do so many of us experiencing pain and suffering think it's simply because of something we did wrong? Before he was arrested, beaten, and hung on the cross, Jesus knew well the pain and suffering that lay before him. And he prayed this prayer to God the Father. He said, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. All too often, we pray this first part of the prayer when we ask God to remove pain and suffering from our lives. But Jesus wants us to also pray the second part of the prayer along with him when he says, not as I will, but as you will. Later in this Passion narrative, we encounter Simon of Cyrene, who, as far as we know, also did nothing wrong, and yet he experienced pain and suffering because of his closeness to Jesus. When pain, suffering, and the weight of the cross were too much for Jesus to handle all on his own, Simon of Cyrene helped Jesus carry his cross along with Jesus. Just as soldiers who experience a bond and a closeness in the midst of adversity and battle that is deeper and stronger than any other relationship in their lives because of the adversity they've been through together, we are meant, for those of us who have the honor of experiencing pain and suffering of the cross, we are meant to have the same kind of bond with Jesus. Maybe Jesus removes the pain and suffering from our lives, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe instead Jesus is inviting us to go even further with the cross than Simon of Serene did, and then along the way experience a deeper and closer relationship and bond with Jesus. The only thing worse than experiencing pain and suffering is experiencing pain and suffering all alone. Imagine for me, with me a moment, that moment when Jesus is hanging on the cross, experiencing indescribable pain and suffering. There's Jesus hanging on one side of the cross, and on the other side of the cross is you, suffering along with Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, though occurring in the past to us, 
is nevertheless always present before God who does not exist in time as we do. At this Mass today, Jesus' unique sacrifice is made real and present to us here and now because he is a divine reality that transcends space and time. So when we are tempted to feel all alone in our pain and suffering, the reality is Jesus is with us and we are with him when he is experiencing his pain and suffering, so he is not all alone. St. Teresa of Calcutta said, pain and suffering have come into your life. But remember, pain, sorrow, and suffering are but the kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have come so close to him that he can kiss you. In the middle of pain and suffering that we are experiencing, our all-knowing God knows this pain and suffering from the perspective of having crawled inside our pain and suffering to be with us in it. Our all-powerful God stands up in the middle of our pain and suffering and like a power lifter, extends his mighty hand to push up and away the weight of that pain so it does not crush us. And our all-good God cares for us by holding us in his caring hand and giving us a compassionate kiss when we need it most. So as we unite our pain and suffering to the cross of Jesus and his suffering, let us experience this kiss. And let this kiss remind us that being a follower of Jesus involves lots of pain, but always, always more grace.